Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. And this afternoon, we're going to the west coast of the U.S. to talk to David from Ability Expo. And we're going to find out a little more about that in just a minute. But first of all, David, tell us where you went to post-secondary school. Uh, Peter, there wasn't very much that I went to. Um, Left high school and went into the military, came out and thought I was way too smart for university. Tried it a couple of times in a couple different places. And I think if all of my credits added up and somebody would take them, I might be a sophomore. So I am uh, more self-educated than university educated. Not a long story. Okay. So in other words, you're street smart versus uh, Well, I, I've been on the street. How smart I am is a different conversation. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So having said that, why Abilities Expo? What, what's the purpose? How did it start? That kind of background. Sure. Um, well, Abilities Expo started in 1979. It's actually kind of a fun story. Um, the guy who started it was lived here in California. Uh, his name was Richard Wooten or Dick Wooten. He has since passed away. Um, Dick was a wheelchair user. Uh, he was a post-polio survivor. Uh, and in 1978, he and some of his friends from the disability community were really frustrated that their local retail shop didn't have much in the way of selection or much in the way of new products. There was one kind of manual wheelchair and one kind of this and one kind of that. And since most of your listeners probably weren't here in 1979, uh, this is substantially before there was an internet. So if you wanted to see a product, you either had to see it in person or you had to look at a pamphlet or a printed brochure, which is not the same thing. So he came up with this silly, silly idea. Uh, he said, I'm going to put on a trade show. I'm going to put on an expo. I'm going to rent the Los Angeles Convention Center. And all of the manufacturers from all over the country are going to have to come with all their cool latest and greatest gadgets and products and services. And my friends and I can all go shopping. Heck of an idea. So he did it. And what's the thing from Field of Dreams? Build it and they will come. And he built it and they did. And they had the first expo in the spring of 1979. And it was such a success that they did it again in 1980. And one thing led to another. Uh, so he and his family produced the events for about 10 years. Um, they sold them to a guy with a small exhibition organizing company in, in the States on the East Coast. Um, he helped them grow from two shows a year to about five or six. Uh, and then his company got acquired by a much larger trade show and publishing company. And that's when things started to go in the other direction. They lost the connection to the community. Um, the family was no longer involved. They just treated the expos the way they would any other events in their portfolio. And they just started losing their way. Um, my business partner, uh, guy by the name of Lou Schomer, and I both have 
40 years each of experience in the trade show and conference industry. We were getting older and looking for kind of a golden years hobby business uh, that we could play around with so our minds did not turn to custard. Um, a former colleague of mine was working for the company that had acquired the shows called and said, hey, I know you're looking for something to do. We have these things that don't fit. Would you be interested? Uh, we went to Abilities Expo in Anaheim, California in 2008, so about 15 years ago, and we just fell in love with what the show was all about um, and thought that with some care and attention, they could be better. Uh, that was our ego speaking, I guess. Um, so we acquired the, the two events. Um, we closed on the acquisition in August of 2008. There was actually a third event. Uh, the other company had launched a new event in Minneapolis, which they said was a raging success. Um, we went to that event in September of the next month and found out that they might have exaggerated the success a little bit. Um, and so as we left Minneapolis to fly back to California, we canceled the next year's Minneapolis show. And since we were busy changing things, we launched events on the plane, really, um, in Chicago and Atlanta. So that was the start of the adventure for us with Abilities Expo. Uh, we, as I said, we just fell in love with the idea of the events. And here we are 15 years later with seven events a year around the United States. Um, and there you go. How about that? So really what you are is a social franchise or... You are, um, you are giving back to the community, yeah, and you're doing it through kind of a social franchise model. Um, I haven't thought of it that way. Um, it, I guess in my own words, uh, we're great believers in the value that a trade show or consumer event brings to the communities they serve. It's a chance for for the people in that community to engage or to experience a range of products and services and resources that will meet their needs. And for exhibitors, it's giving them access to face-to-face -face access uh, to a community of people that have uh, might have a need based on the demographics for those same products or services or resources. It's kind of like playing Cupid uh, or being a matchmaker. The disability community is underserved for access to resources. Uh, I wish we could do the event in 100 cities uh, around the, uh, the world, really, but we can't. So seven is about all we can handle. And so we've gone to the seven largest geographic markets in the States, uh, New York and Los Angeles and Chicago and Houston, et cetera, to try and give as many people as possible access to this face-to-face, hands-on, try it yourself kind of experience, as well as networking and education and just an opportunity really to see what they can do as members of the disability community, as opposed to the things they cannot do. And that's what that's what Abilities Expos are all about. What things, what can you do with a disability um, and how to expand those horizons, be more independent, meet more people, uh, just make things better. So I would say it's a, it's a very natural kind of trade show platform for this particular community. Um, although now with social media and stuff, it's become much, much more than that. 
So I understand your trade show experience. Why disability? Um, we both Lou and I feel strongly about advocacy um, and have done things from an advocacy point of view in the past. Um, and our experience at Abilities Expo 15 years ago was just so inspiring that it seemed like a fun, rewarding thing for us to do. Um, and if, again, we thought we could make it better. Um, the shows were not reaching their potential. And since then, uh, we pretty much feel good about ourselves most of the time. Uh, we get to engage with these extraordinary people who are going on with their lives and making them the most of them and going forward with no boundaries. Uh, that's just, that is inspiring uh, and is great motivation for, for our own lives. So uh, as we have said probably too many times, this is way better than a real job. Um, we get to be around these very, very positive people. We just finished uh, one of our events in the New York metro area this last weekend. Um, and there were over 6,700 adults and probably 1,500 or 2,000 kids under 18, plus five or six or 700 exhibitors in the building for three days. And nobody was grumpy. Uh, everybody was smiling, everybody was excited, everybody was enthusiastic. Um, when we have new exhibitors to the community, they walk away saying, I've never been to a show where everybody's in such a good mood, everybody's so nice. Um, and so, I mean, who wouldn't want to have a job or a career being surrounded by nice people looking to make the most out of things? So it's, we're, we're blessed. Well, uh, let's, let's dig a little deeper into a show. And sure. You mentioned uh, New York. That's where my wife was born. So, and she went to University of Michigan. So having said that, you mentioned New York was, what, three days. What mm -hmm. do you do in three days? What do people do in three days? Well, we had approximately 130 exhibitors. Um, real, you know, products, wheelchairs, power chairs, accessible vehicles, durable medical equipment, just all sorts of great technology. So people go from exhibitor to exhibitor, just window shopping, trying to see which things might apply to them. If they do apply, asking questions or asking about pricing or asking for a demonstration or sitting in a, a new wheelchair or trying on a new device. Um, there are vendors of services. We have tons of not-for-profit exhibitors who are offering free resources and access to expertise, uh, connecting people. Um, so part of what they do is going and visit and engage with our exhibitors. Um, and because of the nature of our show, a lot of it is demonstration, people trying out new chairs and scooters and taking them for a spin and things they just can't do normally, even at a store. Um, we have workshops that go on all three days. Uh, they're basically consumer workshops, how to pick the right vehicle for you, um, financial planning for special needs family, uh, things about cannabis and mer medical marijuana, uh, universal design and accessibility, and on and on and on. So those uh, seminars are all free of charge. 
Um, they happen all three days of the show. We have something called the Events Arena, uh, which is a 40 by 60 foot chunk of concrete with some curtains around it, where it's like our one ring circus. One hour, there will be uh, a demonstration of adaptive sports. And all the demonstrations work the same way. If it's wheelchair basketball, there'll be somebody there saying, hey, this is what wheelchair basketball is all about. We brought some guys with us, our team with us, our men and women. They're going to scrimmage for you, show you how it works. Okay, that was pretty cool. Now who wants to come out and try it? And if you don't have a disability, that's okay. Come out. We've got some extra chairs. Come out and try it anyway. See what this is all about. And by the way, there are local teams recruiting for new members and new teammates. Um, wheelchair basketball. This is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And that goes for an hour. And then an hour later, there will be hip-hop wheelchair dancing. And an hour after that is adaptive taekwondo. Uh, and an hour after that will be something on adaptive gardening. So these are all demonstrations which are very interactive people can engage. So those are free. Uh, we bring special attractions whenever we can. So this last weekend, we had a 20-foot adaptive climbing wall. Don't care if you're able-bodied, if you're a paraplegic, you're a quadriplegic. If you want to go up that wall, the team there will get you up that wall. Uh, and something you, again, would not get to experience on a normal day in the life. Um, we had an artist market where you could engage with artists with disabilities who are showing their art and selling their art. Um, so there are things you can shop, you meet new people, you can engage, uh, buy some overpriced hot dogs. Um, just do stuff. See your friends you haven't seen since last year. Um, people tend to come for a day of the three days. We have some people who come for two days. We have some who come for all three days because they just keep engaging. Uh, admission is always free of charge, um, so we make it as easy and as accessible for people to get to as we can. And I, as I said, our final number was, I think it was 6,732 adults, um, about 1,200 kids under 18, plus all of our exhibitors that were there for one or two or all three of those days. Okay, so having said that, you mentioned free. So, how do you run an operation like this when, well, it's, when people don't pay to get in? Well, they don't pay to get in as visitors, but our exhibitors pay to be there. Um, for our exhibitors, this is a really important, whether it's a direct sales opportunity or a lead generation opportunity, uh, this is a way for them to, to play show and tell and engage either current or hopefully soon to be future customers. So they pay us for the opportunity to set up shop for those three days um, and to engage in their business activities. Um, and we use the funds from that uh, booth space rental or sponsorship income to pay for everything. And that allows us to provide free access to the show, to the community it serves. Wow. Okay. So you're in seven locations. Why not 20? Why not Why not Europe? Why not Canada? Good questions. Um, well, for the first question, our exhibitors just really can't, don't have the resources to do more than seven. Um, it's a lot of work to go to a trade show. It's expensive shipping products and, and exhibits and things of that nature. So 
um, it's just more than than most of them can handle. They would they resisted seven. They, they weren't that happy. Some of them going more than five, but we got to seven. It's unlikely we could find room on the calendar for an eighth. Once the show season starts in March, there's an abilities expo almost every six weeks for the whole year. Um, so there just isn't enough bandwidth for people to do more in the States. Uh, we were in Canada for a few years. We were in Toronto and loved being there uh, because the Canadian market is different in, in many ways in terms of how these products and services are delivered, uh, who pays for them and, and who influences the purchase, who chooses the product. Uh, we engaged with a, um, a Canadian licensee a uh, company that did the event for a few years. The pandemic put a real dent in their business, as it did with ours. And at the end of it last year, they said, I think we've had enough. Uh, we're retiring to our cottage by the lake uh, up in Ottawa, and we wish them well. They're really nice folks. Um, but because of that, because there needs to be some customization of the event for the Canadian market, unless or until we can find another Canadian partner, uh, we probably, we just don't have the bandwidth of the ability to go back. So if anybody out there knows anything about the trade show or event business and is interested in Abilities Expo in Canada, be it Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver, um, please reach out, to, uh, reach out to me and we'd be glad to have that conversation. Uh, as for other places, most countries in Europe have an event sort of, kind of like ours. It'll be a different name. Uh, but they have some kind of a disability event or events. And again, it depends a lot on the country. So in the States, consumer rules. The consumer chooses. I, I choose, do I want that brand or that brand? If it were cars, it's my choice. If I want a Toyota or a Ford or a Mercedes. Um, if I'm in England, uh, I don't get to choose very much. Um, a occupational therapist or a physician or somebody will identify what my needs are and because they pay for it. Um, the good news is it's free. The bad news is I don't get a choice. Uh, and so having a show like ours really doesn't help anybody very much because the consumer doesn't get a lot of choice unless they're financially independent. So a show in the UK, for example, wouldn't be much of, as much a consumer show as for therapists who are sort of the prescribing influence, just a whole different model. Uh, Sweden is the same thing. The consumer, unless they want to spend their own money, if they want their free one, uh, it's chosen for them. So our model works perfectly in the States. Um, and we don't speak that many other languages. And we're getting kind of on the older side, uh, Peter. We're, um, this was our golden year hobby project, which has been going 15 years. And has expanded uh, a lot. So uh, I think we're kind of at our max. Well, the reason I mention it is I'm part of an e-rotary club. It's an e-club out of London, England. Mm -hmm. And I presented to them on disability. They got very excited. Now, the club has members in Spain, Greece, Lebanon, um, India, Africa and so on. Sure. And I presented to them and they they got very excited about the whole area. But what what I, I guess what I want to move into now is three years from today, David, are you gonna be retired 
Are you going to expand? What are you going to do? Well, it's, it's, it's a question to which there is no known answer. Um, if you had asked me 15 years ago, I would have said I'd be retired five years by now. Um, but we're still having a lot of fun and uh, everybody's health is good. We still have good energy. So I think we'll retire either when we aren't having fun anymore or whether we don't feel like we have the energy to do the job or when somebody comes in and makes us some kind of incredible offer that we can't refuse uh, to buy the business. But uh, for right now, we expect to be here for the next three years. Um, in terms of what will be different in three years, there's some kind of a digital opportunity here that we're just not clear about. Um, we have, we probably get 30 or 35,000 human beings in person a year across the seven shows. But there are, according to US Department of Labor, about 15 million people who qualify for entitlements under the Americans with Disabilities Act. That's a wide range of things. It's not obviously that many people who are, have a mobility issue, for example, it's vision or hearing, whatever it might be. Um, so we're going to continue to try and expand the events to cover more of those product areas. Uh, we're doing a monthly newsletter to 135,000 people a month now. Um, if we can find a way to help them digitally experience some of the content that they cannot get to face-to-face -face because they don't live geographically close enough, um, we're going to try and find a way to do that so we can share this content better. It's just a big undertaking for two analog guys in a digital world. So it's a, it's a work in progress. Well, right off the top, I wish you would do a virtual trade show. Oh, Peter, we did. During the pandemic, we did three or four of them. Um, they were actually reasonably successful from a point of view of engagement and people who participated. It was completely ineffective for our exhibitors because they weren't able to engage. They couldn't say, here, try my wheelchair. They could say, here's a picture of my wheelchair. You know, here's a picture of my device. Here's a picture of something. Uh, or here's a video. Um, but the strength of our event is the face-to-face, -face, put your hands on it, try it. So we got lots and lots of people to come to our virtual events because we weren't allowed to be face-to-face. -face. But the financial model doesn't work because we can't provide a positive return on investment for our exhibitors being virtual exhibitors. Something has to, has to change or the technology has to develop some more or, or something. Um, so I understand your point, um, but it doesn't work financially. We can't, we literally cannot afford to produce them. They're very expensive. Um, and very time-consuming, take much more time to produce than a face-to-face -face event. Well, the reason I mention, I mention it, I participated in a social enterprise world forum that has taken place, and, mm -hmm. and they're based in Scotland, and it's global with people from all over the world. And the current one in October of this year is going to be in Amsterdam. And uh, the, the amount of people that participate in that is incredible. And uh, yeah, they, they, uh, there's so much learning, there's so much networking, 
that takes place. There are suppliers that provide products. There's an exhibit hall. It's it's kind of amazing what they're able to do. So no, I, I get it. We we had an exhibit hall also, just that our exhibitors did not get a positive return. So okay. maybe we didn't do a good job, but it's 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 to be honest, it's pretty low on our list of priorities. Okay. Having said that, what do you need from the listeners to this podcast? What do you need from us? Gosh. Um, well, if it's if it's someone who is of the disability community, then if you're anywhere geographically close to where we are, come visit us. It's free. Um, if you're not anywhere geographically close, there's still a lot of awfully good content on our website and our free monthly e-newsletter. And the site's pretty easy. It's just abilities.com. Also free. So come on in and visit. Um, if listeners are people who are not part of the disability community, I guess I would just encourage you to check it out. I mean, uh, there's some people have less than wonderful preconceived notions about how smart and productive and, and competent uh, members of the disability community might be. And I think if they pay some time, attention and spend some time, they'd be very happily impressed and surprised. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks for that website information. And I will pass that on to people. We will include you on our Apple and Spotify uh, panels because we're both members of those organizations. And we're going to get the word out. So thank you, David, for joining me this afternoon and uh, providing the information that you've provided. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.